Hello and welcome to The Donfather, a family podcast about a football team on the top of the ladder. And by golly, is it not delightful to finish around on top of the ladder. It's not going to stay there for very long, but geez, it's good to be there, isn't it, Noodle? It is unbelievable feeling, and it's the first time in 10 years we finished around on top of the ladder. Well, let's not get too carried away, because I think Hawthorne are perhaps the worst football club to grace the MCG since the expansion clubs way back when. I think they are absolutely woeful. But let's not talk about that. This is an Essendon podcast, not a Hawthorne podcast. Those Hawthorne fans can go and get heft, because this is about a glorious day and a great start to a new era of this football club. I concur. Stuff the Hawks. Go Dons. Exactly. Exactly. So uh, just a little bit of housekeeping, Nikki. We uh, recorded an episode last week, our traditional pre-season preview, and the file corrupted. So all those listeners that are listening now, all seven of you, uh, that's the reason why you didn't get an episode last week, because we worked really hard at it, went to edit it, and bang. The file just wasn't there. It, like it played, but it was just not making any noise. So the recording was really, really poor. So we're here. We are. We haven't given up the ghost. All seven of you will get every episode of us this season, as many as uh, as we play rounds, plus maybe a mid-season buy, uh, and we'll move forward through there. What have you been doing in the off-season, Nikki? Uh, well, just you know, crying a lot of tears about this football club. And how it just just finds a way just to to build your spirit up and break you. Uh, and I'll be honest, this is probably the first off season I've spent just uh, just hoping that uh, that we wouldn't finish bottom of the ladder. I usually go into every season going, "Oh yeah, we could be prime for a big year." And then this is probably the first one going, "Please don't let us be shit. Please don't let us be shit." Or, or rather, please don't let us be that shit. Um, mm. Mm. But I think yeah. I think we're pretty safe in a league that involves West Coast and Hawthorne this year. I think both of those teams are woeful, so so bad. Admittedly, West Coast beat us last year. We were say, one well, of two that's, that's losses. That's the test uh, for this. For the if Essendon has flipped a page, uh, will we lose to terrible? I mean, we already beat Hawthorne, but will we lose to West Coast? Uh, like we did last year, like we did in 2010 when they were so bad and Michael Lacar still kicked 11. Yes. Yeah. No, kicked 12 that day. I kicked 12. Oh my God. Yeah. So look, I, I think it's going to be hard for us to finish bottom, uh, but who knows? Who knows where uh, where we'll end up? I'm I'm still not confident that we'll finish in the top eight, but anything's possible. We'll, uh, we'll just wait and see and ride the bumps over the next 24 rounds, 23 games, 24 rounds, uh, and see where we end up. But it was um, it was a pretty glorious day, wasn't it? Obviously, we've had a, a very big off-season to get to this point. There's been a lot of change at the football club, as we spoke about in the preview that no one's listened to because it doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but it, just to touch on that really briefly, you know, Brad Scott comes in, huge upheaval across the board, uh, a CEO getting signed for a day, disappearing. And then I think getting the appointment right, if I'm very honest, Craig Vozzo, I think, is a very, very good operator. And I'm very happy, regardless of the the route that we took to get there, I'm very happy that we ended up with him. Um, and I think 
the bringing in of Paddy Ryder as an in, Indigenous uh, mentor um, or what's his what's his role? Manager of Indigenous Indi- Player Welfare or something like yeah, that. Yeah, welfare. That's right. Um, I think that's a really really good appointment. I'm just I feel like the club's not there yet, but I feel like they've got a good system in place and they're starting to add the positions and spend the money on the football department that they just haven't done for a number of years. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. It's, it seems like a page's turn, but I mean, we won't know until, um, I guess we're six, seven, eight months down the track, a year down the track, two Mm. years down the track. And that, you know, if we've seen actually change because how many times in the last, uh, I reckon since, Matthew Knight's got the sacked. Have we have we heard the same story? Sacked a coach, new coaching staff. It's a new dawn for Essendon. They're going to rise up the ladder. Mm. I reckon it's just a cycle of every three to four years. Just it happens. it feels different this time. And and again, maybe it's just the messaging coming out of the club. But I think in hindsight, I wasn't very big on Brad Scott because I hate North Melbourne, hate them with a passion. Um, but I wasn't very big on Brad Scott until I started to hear his interviews and I till I started to hear his objectives. And he consistently says, our goal is to create a world-class football program. And once that program is in place, everything else will fall into line. And that's been the consistent messaging. And that's been evident in the decisions and the appointments they've been making, the development coaches, the rest of it. It's all working towards what seems to me to be that objective of getting more out of our players, focusing on the football department, focusing on, on, making it stable, a good environment, and a professional environment. Yep. Yeah, no, not wrong at all. And I was, I was watching his his um, press conference last night as well. And just uh, just some of the things he said, like it, it didn't seem like we were getting ahead of, ahead of ourselves. Like, yeah, all right, we won today, but there's a lot of work to be done. And he said something about, you know, in terms of the professionalism of our players, we still have a long way to go before we're, we're quite there and that we, you know, we have, you know, 40 professional athletes on a list or 40, mm. 44 rather. And it's still very much, you know, he's not, you know, drinking his own bathwater. And he, it's probably very typical of Essendon to sort of start drinking your own bathwater, you know, oh, top of the ladder, even though we flogged lowly Hawthorne um, to sort of, you know, get ahead of yourselves. And he's like, you know, I've been here all before, you know, this is a coach for like 10 years at North. Like I know what I'm doing. I know what's mm. good and what's not. And I know like this is probably, you know, being a lowly ranked side is, you know, nothing to get ahead of ourselves and there's still a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I agree completely. And I, I was, I listened to that press conference and I was really pleased. I was really pleased with um what, with not only what he was saying, but how he was saying it. So I, yeah, I've really, I'm coming around on Brad Scott, if I'm honest. Um, I'm really enjoying the way he's going about it. Although one funny thing to come out of the press conferences and from the rooms with Josh Marnie and all that, everyone's saying how much Tipper earned his game. And I feel like they're just reiterating that because he looks very unfit. And they're like, no, 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 don't worry, guys. We didn't gift him a game. He definitely earned it. He definitely earned his game. Um, but even if he didn't, that that moment of him coming on and kicking a goal and then nearly getting that second one, oh, geez, that was worth every minute. If you're going to gift games like that, do it all day. Yeah, I think Tibbs probably earned it. Yeah, I he agree. like he's the type of player that puts bums on seats. Like he's just impossible to hate. 
He does. He does. Every team wishes they had their own tipper. Mm. Mm-hmm. And um, how was that guy, that Hawthorne supporter behind us, getting so angry about tipper and how much we were losing it? And um, I felt like turning to him saying, didn't you have a player that played for you? What was his name? Oh, yeah, Stewie Jew. This guy was going on and on how he's not doesn't have a football physique. He's not a professional athlete. And I'm like, mate, Stewie Jew literally won you a premiership. And he is fat. He's a big, fat he's a big man. Boy. He's yeah. a very fat man. Even when he played, oh, jeepers. He was, he was, he was large. needed to be fed at halftime because it was so large. <laughs> so, Nikki, let's not take a break. Let's just jump straight in because I'm high as a kite right now. I'm just basking in this glory. The best thing about a win, especially on a Sunday, is getting home watching the highlights over and over, waiting for the press conference to drop, reading the newspaper the next morning, all the like access all areas that the AFL puts out, all the AFL daily podcasts, all of that sort of stuff. It, oh, it's it's just delightful. It starts your week so well. It does. It's just, it's impossible to have a bad week now. And because we're not playing Friday, we're not playing until I think Sunday again. So, you know, that's a full week completed that uh, we can just... You know, bask in it. Because, you know, say we're playing Friday, we get flogged Friday night. Well, it's like the end of our week. Well, then, yeah, that's right. That's right. But now you we get to... on the start of our next week, but that's You okay. get to be excited all the way till Sunday afternoon. Until exactly right. a rebounding Gold Coast with the fat man as a coach uh, comes back in and, and slaps us back down to earth. Yep. Well, yeah, we'll lose by 50 points. Just mm. Well, later. no. Well, this is, this is actually a good... Uh, a good test because old Essendon would certainly lose by, you know, seven goals or so after a big win the week before. I, I'm i not necessarily, and we'll get to this when we get to the preview, I'm not really looking for a um, a win, but definitely consistency of performance for sure. Yep. So let's get this rolling, Nikki. Tell me about some likes. Name one for me. Uh, Joe Menzies. Jeezy was good, wasn't he? Yeah, he's just sort of popped up out of nowhere. He was the second pick in the mid-season draft, and he just gets to the right spots, applies pressure. Um, yeah, it was just... I was a big fan. I can see, like, he played well all preseason, and I'm, I'm glad he's in the team. Yeah, I really I, I really like Jai Menzi. And it's funny because, you know, previously we had a dearth... Once once Waller retired, we were really struggling for small forwards. And it feels like it's it's the position on the ground now that we have the most depth, if I'm honest. You take a look at Jai Menzi. You take a look at Elwyn Davey Jr. Waller's back. We've got Guelphie, who was really a bit part player there last year, but has um, stepped up to... What did he come? Second in the best and fairest? And yeah, he, definitely top three. Yeah, he definitely made that role his own last year. And so suddenly we've got Jaden Davey on the list. He's not going to play till next year. We've got Wangani on the list. And suddenly that position, we look to run a little bit deep. Whereas, you know, 12 months ago, we were really stressed about we have no small forwards at all. It's funny yeah. how, how it changes so quickly. Mm, there was an interesting thing to see. I just really like the way that he gets to the right position. And he... He loves the contest. He loves the tackle. And he's not hes not afraid to run through a pack. But there's something about his running patterns. He just knows where to be. And he's very quick with his with his thinking and really quick with his disposal. So, yeah, definitely a, a really, really big like for me. Yeah, intelligent footballer, yep. Mm, mm. It's, um, 
I mean, it's it's hard to find a dislike if I'm honest from from this performance. But when you look at sort of the scoreline in the end, so they're nine eleven sixty five. So we've kept them under seventy points, and we're we've kicked nineteen ten for one hundred twenty four. Like that's nineteen goals is a really like early two thousands era scoreline for the Bombers. I remember when when I was watching in um. 2000, 2001, I'd be disappointed. This, this sounds so funny now. I'd be disappointed if we didn't kick 20 goals. And uh, it's, you know you've had a day out when when you're scoring up around the 130 mark. So one of, one of my likes is that it looked like in the first quarter, we came out with a bang um, and we really dominated the field position. But then late in the quarter, they were able to get over the back and score a couple goals. One of them, um, Fergus Green scored after a bit of a mix-up in defense where two players flew for the ball that probably only one should have and one should have stayed down. And I just got the sense after we'd held the ball for so long in the quarter for Hawthorne to kick really four quick ones. It was like, oh, here we go. This is going to be one of those days where it's a bit of a shit fight and where we can't we we get dragged down to the level of a team that's although not much poorer than us, but that is poorer than us, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. 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 But but what I really liked about the game was that we were then able to steady the ship and then go on with it. Not only did we stop the flow of goals, I think from the point that um who kicked that last one? Luke Bruce uh kicked it in the first quarter. What did they they kicked only another five goals for the game. And I think we kicked nine in a row after Giath kicked the goal in the second quarter. So we were really able to actually take control of the game back, stop the um, the getting over the back and the cutting us up with their run and dash and able to really take control of the game. Uh, yeah, no, so we steadied. Um, which, you know, Essendon of yesteryear would probably falter and let Hawthorne kick eight in a row, and we're down by 40 points at halftime, and we go up, well, we're off to a great start to the year. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I don't yeah, know that we would have conceded sort of eight in a row, but... Yeah, that's a bit of hyperbole. I, but... I, think it w- I think it would have been a shit fight all day, where we'd never... We'd be the better team, and this sort of happened in against Collingwood on Anzac Day, right? Where... We were the better team last year on Anzac Day. They just kicked really straight, and we never were able to put enough scoreboard pressure on to break the game open. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They. I. There was a stat where, like, I think they scored 94 for the day or something, and it was a stat, like, expected scoreline. They should have kicked, like, 65 points or something based on the percentage, like, where the kicks were taken from on goal, the percentage of how many times players would kick it from there. And it was, yeah, it was, yeah, bullshit. Mm. Is what it is. Yeah. So no, that was really pleasing from my end. Is that as a team we were able to arrest the momentum, get it back, and then run on with it. Mm. I have a dislike. Tell me. Uh, it was sitting next to my brother at the football all day. <laughs> Please elaborate. So, through our seven viewers, we were sat in the MCC just behind the Essendon um, interchange bench. And I and believe we started the, the cheering when Waller came on because we saw him take off his T-shirt and put his jumper on and we started going nuts. We were definitely definitely one of the first. But um, anyway, back to why my brother was a dislike. Um, he couldn't go 30 seconds without talking. 
So I just wanted to sit there and, you know, watch the football, you know, have a few conversations about certain things happening. Uh, my brother decided to just keep talking and talking. And what really epitomized this was every time Brent Stanton ran to the bench, <laughs> all right, which is after every goal, he would make the same comment about how Brent Stanton was looking very thick and should be running out for the Melbourne Storm this weekend. <laughs> oh, he's a big boy, isn't he? He is a unit. That's, that's all he said. That's all, every time. Oh, geez, Stance, he's put on a few. Oh, he's looking thick. Oh, he's playing I mean, he meant sport. it in a good way. He meant it like his, his guns were big, but... Oh, yeah, like big and muscly, like, you know, thick like rugby players. But when it's yeah. the same comment every time, it's... Uh, I felt sorry for everyone sitting around us. I really did. It, yeah, yeah. I didn't. Because we're we're a delight to sit next to at the footy. Oh yeah, we're so much fun. If you go for Essendon, <laughs> yeah, I imagine that's the thing about sitting in the MCC, right? Is that like it's it's such a it's so much more mixed than where we normally sit because we're normally in the Essendon reserve seating area, right? And so it's like you got supporters of the different teams all around you, and you have to be kind of polite um, and not get too feral. It's it's very very funny, isn't it? <laughs> It is, yeah. And members, you can just sort of do whatever you want because everyone's an Essendon supporter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There's only the only person who's not an Essendon supporter is the person that Laura's invited with the spare ticket. <laughs> it's always Laura, isn't it? Always. She always brings a friend that goes for the other team. It's oh a, yeah. It's very very frustrating. Very frustrating. So. Let's have a chat about the game plan because, I mean, it's only been one game and certainly we didn't see anything in the preseason that indicated that this was the game plan. But you were telling me about it as we were watching uh, the game yesterday and a little bit earlier than that, we were having a discussion um, pre-game about what you had heard the game plan was going to be. So do you want to just elaborate on that a little bit and tell us what you saw versus what you heard and, and, and what you liked about it? Uh, what I saw was just um, sort of being a lot more controlled in offense, so you're not really leaving yourself up open for a counterattack on turnover. So mm-hmm. there was a lot more discipline behind the ball. It wasn't just all guns blazing, everyone get forward, run. It was just sort of like, all right, if you're involved in a play that you run, but you got to let your forwards do the work. So... Um, Obviously, it hits a deck and it's a 50-50, yeah, you haul ass. But, you know, you don't always need to be creating overlap run because you, then you start eating into your forward forwards, um, space. And that's, you know, how we saw last year. A lot of the time, it was just long down the line. And so when you have that discipline behind the ball, you sort of have a bit more space to play with. And obviously, the G allows, you know, a lot of space to be played with because it's such a big ground. But... Um, it also means the hard ground to defend, and we still managed to keep Hawthorne around the 65-point mark, um, even under 60 with like two minutes to go, which was, you know, another great effort, which is, I mean, I'm not too surprised. I mean, Brad Scott literally came in and was like, you know, we have to be more defensive, accountable, defensively accountable, and that was, you know, the big uh, issue with, you know, truck ball and how we played under truck and even how we played under Wusher. Um just, you know, not a lot of defensive accountability. So mm. it was just good to see that, you know, there was a level of defensive accountability, but we still managed to put almost 130 points on the board. So it wasn't overcompensating the defense at the expense of the offense. It was, it was a nice balance. Which is what truck ball mix. was a little bit like, wasn't it? That they slowed the ball movement down so much in the hope that they wouldn't be scored against. And it just didn't work. 
Because it became very predictable, and then we couldn't score going forward because you just go around side to side and then bomb it long down the line, right? I think the issue was as well as they would have no... There was no movement up the field, so you're not actually making any space, which is why mm. it was just side to side, long down mm. the line, which then comes to coaching and like, all right, this is what you've got to do when the ball's at this point. Like, you either need to be leading, making space behind you, or you just you just got to get out, or mm. like stuff like that. Which, yeah, mm. I, yeah, all comes down to coaching. Mm. And so what that looks like in practice, as far as we could tell yesterday, is that when the defenders would kick the ball, sort of, say, 50 into the midfield, they wouldn't then follow it up. They'd let the midfielders and forwards carry the ball forward. And so they would hold their space. And so if there was a turnover, it was very evident that Hawthorne would get the quick kick out and there'd be three or four players ready to swoop on it. And, and that structure then slowly went up the field, but it didn't ever become congesting in our forward line. It didn't ever stop our flow and our ability to hit targets. No, it was good. It just yeah, it just seemed like we just had a lot of a lot of space up forward. And that's mm. probably credit to you know, probably Wiedemann because mm. when you've got a big key forward, you know, down the line, Wiedemann and Harry Jones who, you know, first game together they're sort of the anchors in that forward line and they're sort of, you know, the blokes you're sort of always looking for going up up the field and that's sort of what, you know, your small sort of look to to base their game around because you want to look, all right, where's our big man? Most likely the ball's going to be put on his head. Mm. We want to get to his feet. And it just mm. makes it a level of predictability which makes it just so much easier going forward. Mm. Mm. And it was really interesting to see how much pressure we were able to apply with that predictability that um, there would often be, you know, there'd be a marking contest or they'd I'd kick it into the forward line. And then there was Davey, Menzi, other players around ready to swarm wherever the ball hit the deck. And that was consistent across the whole ground as well. As soon as there was no stop play, there was no mark, then consistent pressure was really, really good. And the other thing that I liked about that structure is it actually gave our midfielders room to midfield. It's a verb now. I just made it a verb. Uh, it gave our midfielders room to actually control that center square space. Often last year, it'd just be a scramble and the halfbacks would be running it over. And in previous years, not just last year, but in, in years gone past. Whereas I really got the sense watching the game, and it might have been the angle we were sitting on because we're on level one, that it, it felt like that, that center square and that space was really where Parish and Merritt and Setterfield and those players got the majority of their possessions. Yeah, it's sort of yeah, a lot of it forward to the center or even just like in the in, you know in the center of the ground, mm. which is yeah yeah it was good to see, and that's yeah. that's a result of you know when as I was talking about you know the predictability when you have those smalls obviously we're gonna, you're going to be able to have a lot more pressure around the ball as soon as yeah. it goes inside fifty and when you're predictable going forward they can set up. So you can actually pressure the ball. Yes. Whereas yeah. I feel like many times last year we'd go forward and it was just like, as you said, a scramble, and it's just like, well, where is everyone? And it just slingshots out. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. And then they're over the back, and Jordan Ridley or Laverde or Zerk or whoever just looks like they can't defend because the ball gets sat on their head, and they're one against two or whatever it is, or running back with the flight of the ball, and we just look lazy and and terrible. And you made the perfect comment about it yesterday when you said, this is how you know Lav's had a good game. You haven't noticed him. Mm, that's right. That's exactly right. I 
Let's uh let's have a look at his possessions. Um twenty two. Twenty twenty two? I can't believe he touched the ball twenty two times. Fourteen marks. And but you didn't notice it at all. Whereas last year you're watching the game and Lav is like one on one against and you know, he'll pull something out and, and spoil the ball or something like that. Whereas yesterday, you're like, is he even playing? And not not in a in a disrespectful like he's having a shit day kind of way, but like he he wasn't doing that desperate defending as a last man, and it really showed. Yeah, he could play his role. Like he was just mm. playing his role. That's all he was mm. doing. Mm. So you love so, to see it. So let's run through the new guys, and um, let's start with uh, my man, Will Setterfield. One goal, very lucky, admittedly, very lucky. Uh, 25 disposals. Uh, how many of those were contested? I think you only had three or four contested. Uh, but 12 kicks, 13 handballs, uh, 10 marks. What, how'd you think about his performance? Pretty handy. Um, I... and sometimes you don't need, like he had 25 I and mean, he had maybe, you know, four or five contested posies. You don't need to always have just, you don't need to have the touches to have, have that physical presence. presence. Mm. Sometimes it's just being around the ball and you drawing in two or three defenders or opposition players because you're that big, one of them's not going to be enough. And that's all mm. you need. It just draws defenders. So, yeah, fantastic game by him. How big is he? I want to have a look at his stats. Uh, uh, I think he's, he's big. Because he looks... he, I mean, he looks big in the... Uh, I think he's like 190. Training. Let's see here. 192. 87. Yeah. So he's only a centimetre shorter than Hurley and Lloyd. So uh, he's a big boy. Very large. Yeah, um, yeah, I was really pleased with his performance. He is doing exactly what I thought he would be, and that is just become an instant best 22 player. I I think he will, barring injury, right? Touch, touch wood, because I don't want to put the moz on him. But barring injury, I think he just keeps his spot all year. Yep. He's a big body inside mid. Yeah. And I, I was need. really pleased. He's a really good deliverer of the ball. Didn't make any glaring mistakes. Uh, was a presence up forward when he was there. Can mark it on the wing. Really happy with his performance. I, I was really pleased. Uh, so let's move on. Next newbie off the ranks. Uh, let's go with Sam Wiedemann. Also a very handy game from him. Um, Could have kicked three I mean, goals in a minute. Nearly, nearly. Um, how many did he kick? Just two. Two, yeah, goals, two one, goals, one. Uh, from eleven touches, and he had re- only three marks. I thought he was around it more, but um, it's and that's probably similar thing to Setterfield. Only three marks, but he would have hit at least fifteen, twenty contests, mm-hmm. and he would have brought the ball to ground, mm-hmm. which is all you want from from a big. When you big key forward, if you're marking it or bring the ball to ground for your smalls. That's all you need. You know what I really liked about his... Well, well, this really set the tone. And it was quite the opposite of uh, um, Peter Wright's first game and first couple of games with us at Essendon. Um, there was a contest very early in in the game and he was running at the ball and, and there was a Hawthorne player coming and he just hit that contest super, super hard. He didn't win the contest. He, I think the ball went to ground or whatever. But when Peter Wright first started at Essendon, he kind of 
didn't he wasn't attacking the contest as hard as that and i was really pleased to see i i watched that that was the first thing i saw of him during the game and i'm like yep you're all right you you can you can stay you can play mate yeah so really really pleased with his intent uh, i think as I always get really nervous in preseason, and especially watching the games, thinking, oh, as long as we get through with no season-ending injuries. And you know what, Nikki? I thought we'd made it. We get to Friday. You put a message in the group chat. Uh, Peter Wright's done his shoulder. And we're like, I was like, how? How does he do his shoulder? It's Friday. The game's on Sunday. There's been no other... Obviously, the captain's run. He he had a bit of a mishap. Uh, and worse, even worse than doing it in the first game is like doing it three or four days before the season starts or two days before the season starts. But we were talking about this. As disastrous as it is, it actually gives Sam Wiedemann an opportunity to gain some confidence, a bit like they did with Peter Wright in his first year at the club, was that you're playing. It doesn't matter how bad you play, you're playing. So to have Sam Wiedemann in the same situation by circumstance to say, this is your spot now. There's literally no one else on the list who's going to take it from you. Just go out there and play your role and let him grow in confidence. Him and, and Harry Jones as well. I'm really, as disappointing as it is to lose Peter Wright for, you know, at least 12 weeks, it's it's good. It's going to help us in the long run, having confidence in Harry Jones and Sam Wiedemann for sure. Yeah, I agree. It's, yeah. Got to look at the glass half full, and that's very much, very, very much it. Mm. So yeah, just just to finish off that point, Harry Jones looked looked decent as well. Twelve touches, one goal, one. Look, we're not gonna get Peter Wright goal numbers from them, I don't think. Um, if I'm completely honest, but hopefully we get pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, yeah, it'd be nice if they put up 60 goals each, but if they do that, we'd probably play in the granny. But um... Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> uh, Alwyn Davy Jr., what did you think? Uh, unbelievable. It was yeah. It was like, I don't know, I imagine myself as a little seven, eight-year-old watching Alwyn run around. It just winded back the clock. And it was, it, was... it just felt right to have a Davy playing for Essendon it again. Did. And I mean, he'll he'll grow into his role. He's a bit of a tease. He missed two goals that he probably should have kicked. One didn't quite make the distance. That would have been a cracker. And then one he just shanked. But you know, he got his he's got his goal in the end. Only nine touches. He seemed to be around it more. Again, that's the physical presence. That's the pressure. I think that really goes to show how much of an influence he can have on the game. Because often you're watching him nearly tackle someone with his pace, and uh, really enjoyable. To, to have him on the field. And if his brother is anywhere near as exciting as him, oh boy. Boy, oh boy, wowee. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll be set. We'll have a good 10, 15 years of excitement. Oh, yeah. What do you reckon? Okay, here's an idea. Here's an idea. We actually put them both wearing the same number on their jumper and we go into games... <laughs> with an extra on the bench because the AFL can't tell that the twins are actually two different people. So when they rotate, you have them go down into the rooms, like into the toilet, and then the other one comes up. So you actually never see them both on the bench at the same time. Genius decision. <laughs> this is incredible, right? So smart. You've got five on the bench and the sub. 
right? But you've just got to make sure every time they go off, the other one comes out. I, I personally, what I would have done is I would just have them swap their numbers every game they play. So if, you know, Alwyn had to kick five goals a week before, he then goes and wears Jaden's number. So they all go to Jaden and Alwyn gets the worst defender again, kicks another five. Or if Jaden pops off, then Alwyn Jr. gets uh, the swap numbers and, you know, you just keep them bamboozled. Who's who? Nobody knows. Heckin' bamboozled. I think, I think we've got to, we've got to tie into this this twins thing, right? We've really got to make it work for us. It's something that a lot of team. I don't think any other team has identical twins on their list at the moment. No, I think Calton could be after Ben if DeConning leaves, but yeah, Ben that's, McCarr, that'll be yeah. next year's problem. Yeah, yeah, but we're going to get him. So, what are they talking about? We don't need him. We've got Ridley, Zerk, Thatcher, and Laverty. Yeah, Ridley had a good game, didn't he? He always has a good game. He has a that was game. his first goal, by the way. First ever goal. Yep. First goal Such after was... 69 games of football. Such was his excitement. Uh, so, let's have a chat about the whipping boys from last year. I thought McGrath was solid without being incredible. Um, but certainly, we didn't get the... McGrath turnovers of old. So I, I think a really solid start to build upon. Yeah, oh, definitely. And I'd much rather him there over a Nick Hind. Mm. He's just, he's just a, lot, he's a lot cleaner off halfback. Obviously, you've got more you know time with the ball in hand so he can sort of straighten himself up. Yep. Um, but yeah, halfback. Leave him there. Let him play. Yep. Uh, Heppel, similar to... Laverde in that he just played his role. He, You saw some moments where he took contested marks. He kicked that late goal. I thought he had a really solid game. His role certainly changed from where it was last year. And I think he might be that, that fat side defensive winger uh, coming into this season. But I was really pleased with his game. I thought, you know, that not being captain a lot of the pressure of expectation has left him. He doesn't have to put the team on his shoulders and carry him over the line. And I'm really happy for him to play his role. His, his kicking was good. His contested work was good. His handballs were good. I, I was really happy with him. Yeah. Nah, yeah, he played his role. It's Yeah, he doesn't need to get 30 every week now. He can just, you know, whether just use him defensively on the wing or just, you know. he's Yeah, he's a role player now, essentially, yeah. Mm. Mm. What did you think of the uh, the two talls, two rucks? Worked well. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I don't know. I, I reckon between Flip may have spent a fair bit of time on the bench. Um, mm. I haven't got his time on uh, ground stats. He didn't he get much of the ball. Yeah, fifty-eight percent of the game on the on the field. Okay, and. Look, I'm I'm not sure. I don't I don't judge their loads. I'm not sure how that all works out. But I liked that we got Draper forward a little bit more. I liked that we were able to leave our two forwards at home. Uh, maybe maybe if Peter Wright is fit, then Andrew Phillips doesn't play, and so we play Jones, Wiedemann, and Wright, and then one of those three does the pinch hitting in the ruck, either Wiedemann or or Peter Wright. Uh, I think preseason they were talking about uh, Wiedemann doing that, but you know I think you you he does what he says on the tin with Andrew Phillips. He competes in the ruck. He wins his fair share of hitouts. He competes in the air. He'll he'll take a grab. He'll his effort. 
He'll tackle. He'll chase. I really like him. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I agree. Um... So, Darcy had another high position game, 37 for him over the... Did you, did you feel he was damaging? Um, yeah, 575 meters gained. Yeah, that was one of the things I noticed was that he was actually moving the ball forward, whereas in previous years, he might have gotten 40 or 43 or 45 touches and actually just not gained any ground, whereas he certainly felt really damaging yesterday. Uh, he seemed to move the ball well. He hit his kicks well. I was really pleased with his performance. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it didn't, it didn't flick around as much. It was sort of, you, you know, if you use the outlet, you then go forward. It was an outlet backwards, backwards, backwards. It was outlet forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do that, you force your opposition to defend, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which is, you know, and you when you flick the ball around defensively, you invite pressure. But if you go mm-hmm. forward, you put them on the back foot. So it mm. was good. Yeah, and similar similar with Merritt, I thought it was a really good game. I liked his his tackling intent. I liked his chasing. Uh, and I liked him using his kicking offensively. So uh, those two, you know, Setterfield seems to have added to their uh, their bow and really happy, happy with their performances. Mason Redmond, another really good game. You can tell he's flicked a switch in terms of leadership. And that he sees it part of his role to get the team going. And I couldn't have been happier with his performance. 24 disposals, 22 of them kicks. That's pretty incredible from Redmond. He just he just knows how to find it. And, and he's a great kick as well. I really like Mason Redmond a lot. Um, really, really uh, enjoy watching him play. So there's two more players that I want to talk about just to wind up this uh, this section of the pod. Dylan Shield, I think, is able, and, and I think he's going to grow into this role more, but I think he's going to be able to use his explosive pace a little bit more and his long kicking a little bit more. So I'm really happy that he is more on the periphery, and congratulations on the 200 games as well for Dylan Shield. But I think this new midfield mix that we've got is going to pay dividends long-term in terms of getting the most out of everyone. How did you feel? How did you see Dylan Shields' game? Yeah, I'm just looking at his time on ground now, and he only had 71% time on ground, which is um fourth least mm-hmm. of, you know. Waller had 21, Phillips had 58, Harry Jones had 62, and Shields had 71. Now, admittedly, a bit of that is because he went down, he got a bit winded. Um... But um, he was good. Every time he got the ball, he exploded. Uh, I didn't notice too many clangers. I'm trying to think. Mm. Mm. Now was there was there any? But no, it was yeah, just clean, classy, a real Rolls Roycey performance from him. And what I really liked, so about his time on ground, what I really like about that is they're trying to maximise his explosiveness. I think in that he. They'll limit his time, but they want his time to be 100% and and high speed efforts. And I think uh, that's going to work really well. It's going to work in his favour. Mm, so the last one, I want, last one I want to talk about is your mate, Kyle the Langford. 
Didn't yes. he have a spectacular game playing off whatever his role was, halfback, you know, back pocket, whatever role he was playing? Geez, he really set us up going forward, didn't he? Yeah. Another one, great user of the ball, over 500 metres gained, and didn't lose his one-on-ones. Mm. Which is all you can ask for. Well, I really like, because he's one of the best kicks in our team, coming out of defence, he made some really difficult kicks. Sort of hidden Essendon player in between two Hawthorne players. That sort of work that I just don't think, as much as I like him around the forward line, because he does similar things entering the forward line, geez, it really it really set us up going the other way, didn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, and not from a run and dash kind of position, not like a um, Nick Hind break a line, then set us up that way, but more from a just hitting, picking a good option or a difficult kick and hitting it. And that sort of was the way he broke the game apart. Yeah, he's just a great decision maker. And Brad Scott, um, in his post-match, you know, shout out to Hara Reid, a journalist friend over at Channel 7 who asked this question about Kyle Langford being used in defense and not many Essendon fans had seen it. And Brad Scott went on about how um, he's one of the best ball users and one of the best decision makers at the club. Mm. So naturally, it just made the most sense to, you know, have him spend probably... In terms of where you use the ball, it's probably the most important position on the ground for ball users because uh, if you can't use a ball properly, exiting your defense um, cooks your offense and it cooks your defense. So, mm. yeah. Mm, absolutely. So, sorry, I did say two more, but I just want to touch on one more and then wrap this whole section up. How about the Prince of Portsea? Oh, baby, isn't he enticing? Isn't he going to be just... He's going to be Essendon's franchise player. He is... It's so exciting to watch him just grow and grow week on week. Yeah, he's going to be nuts. He, he is what we wanted Jake Stringer to be. Yeah. Well, he will be. Mm. Someone um, who can just... jump into the midfield, play forward, snag a goal. Very Petrarca-esque, right? Oh, yeah. And like he's just... Has the body for a lot more professional. Seems like he's got a bit of head on his shoulders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So he's uh, he's going to be a very, very exciting player, one for the future. So I said this in the preview episode that never went to air, but I get the sense that the dark clouds at Essendon are starting to lift. And the, it's not because of the performance that we saw yesterday. But when I look at this list of players, right, when I think of the early 2000s, immediately players come to mind. Heard, Lloyd, the Johnson brothers, Fletcher, Barnard, Wellman. There's just player after player, Mercedes, Mercury, blah, blah, blah. All of this sort of comes to mind. And they had this sort of presence that it was kind of the reason that you went and watched the footy. It's kind of this group of superheroes that you loved watching. And over this preseason and over last season, we started to see this evolve. And you got players like Sam Draper, Elwyn Davy Jr., Harry Jones. Obviously, Waller's been there for quite a while. You're getting Sam Durham, Nick Martin, Kyle Langford. You're getting a bit of like 
there's just a bit of excitement coming back in these names. There's just there's just a group, Massimo, you know, there's just a group of players coming through that you know that kids are going to be attracted to and that kids are wanting, they're going to have their number on the back of their jumper and they're going to get excited to go to watch the footy. And there's just this core group of people who have a bit of personality and can be, they're very marketable and they're going to be people's favorite players. And it's just something that we haven't seemed to have for quite a long time at Essendon. And I, I, I'm getting excited for it. I really like it. Yeah, that just sounds like... <laughs> Every year for the last 20 years, it's <laughs> starting to drink your own bathroom. Oh, the dark clouds are going. The dark days are over. Here we go. No, we I don't mean here. from, you know, I don't mean from their performance point of view. Although you look at someone like Perkins and, and you can see the makings of a good player there. He's not a good player yet, but you can see that he has all the attributes to become that superstar of the competition. And we just, for such a long time, we just haven't had those sorts of players that are marketable, that kids will want to get their autograph and those sorts of things. If, do yeah, you know what I mean? Not, not since Courtney Johns was running around. That's right, with his long dreadlocks and that sort of thing. We didn't I haven't had that those that group of cult heroes come. We've had cult heroes, but not that group that's come together. <laughs> yeah, well, at least not cult heroes with skill. I mean, Courtney Johns was... <laughs> yeah. He Sam had... Monaghan. The greatest amateur or semi-professional football career that anyone will ever see, Courtney Johns. He won like seven premierships for Aberfeldy. He's a gun. He, he was a low-level gun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, look, we don't want to get too carried away, but I don't think you can ask for more from your first performance with a defensive-minded rhetoric coming out of the club of only conceding 65 points, almost doubling their score, uh, winning against one of your most hated teams, although on this podcast we hate everyone, winning over one of your most hated teams by 60-odd points. It's just a great way to start a new era. I was pleased with the game plan, pleased with uh, Scott's performance in the coach's box. There's not really a, there wasn't really a bad player on the ground for us at all. So I'm if this is the baseline in terms of effort for the rest of the year, I think regardless of the results, we're going to enjoy watching this football team. Yeah, look, it's all about the effort really, isn't it? If there's no effort and we're losing, we crack the shits. If there's effort and we're losing, um, we're happy. And that year we lost everyone, the 2016. I would say of those 22 games, maybe 16 or 17, there was effort. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. you know, morale and the support of us, like people were still showing up late in the season because Mm -hmm. everyone who was lining up, all the top-ups and all them, they all gave us stuff. Mm. And, you know, it's all about the effort. Mm -hmm. So, Nikki, let's take a little bit of a break. And then when we come back, we'll quickly run through a preview of uh, of next week's game against the Gold Coast. So, Nikki, next Sunday, same time, different stadium. We take on the Gold Coast Suns at Marvel. How are you feeling about this game? Um, I don't know, to be honest. 
I was expecting more from Gold Coast against Sydney. Mm. Um, and now I feel like they're going to come out with a bang, and they have very much have the talent to do so. I, I agree. I think their list is talented enough. I'm not sure that their coaching group is smart enough. Uh, but I didn't watch a lot of their game against Sydney, but it really should have been a big spanking, right? It was it was a really poor performance by them. What they kicked nine seven. Yeah, and they have a actually have a pretty good record recently against Sydney. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they've got a. They had a couple of players missing. Oh no, they didn't. Ben King was back in. I thought no, that was last year. He he got injured, didn't he? Yeah, this is this year. I think practice match. One of the practice matches was his first run around. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. So they've got. Yeah, they've got solid position, solid players on every line. Uh, they've brought in Ben Long from last year. Uh. They're playing Charlie Constable in the back line. We we said for a number of years that we wouldn't have minded him at Essendon. Tuke Miller is a gun. Uh, ben King, you know, could be anything. Jack Lacocious could be anything. Matt Rowell is just starting to get his way back into um, good performances. I was really surprised by their performance uh, over the weekend and, and how poor it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. And now they're going to be fired up. Well, I don't know, because the last couple of years they've been touted as this is the season that we've, we're going to make finals, this is where we're going to perform, etc., etc. But I think they still have a bit of a losing culture at the Gold Coast because they've never had any success at all. And so, particularly with a young team like they have, even their, even their experienced players, like look at David Swallow, you look at Tuke Miller, those sorts of guys... They've never had success. They've never experienced it because they've been at Gold Coast since the beginning. The only really successful player that they've got on their team is Chol, right? He's their only premiership player, isn't he? Off the top of my head. Oh, Brandon Ellis. Brandon Ellis. Okay. Um, So, you know, there's not a lot of leadership in that regard. Similar... Similar to Essendon, I have to admit that we we've haven't had a lot of success. Apart from Stringer, I think he's our only premiership player that we've got on the list. So I'm not sure that I'm expecting them to come out and just go bang and, and just blow us away. But they certainly have the talent to. If, we, if we're not 100% on our game, and if we let them get time and space, I think they can certainly give us a really good shellacking. Yeah, I think... Because they're not a very good outside team. I think if we let them smack us around through the midfield, like, you know, Raul, Anderson, Miller, mm. Brody, not Brody, Jared Witts, that's a pretty handy um, on-ball brigade. And they're all, you know, predominantly inside. I would consider them inside midfielders before outside. Yep. Um, they could, yeah. If they smack us through the contest, we can't get our hands on the footy and that, that'll create issues, but... I think on the outside, we've probably... I would think we're probably a bit better, a bit classier. Yeah, I agree. And I think we've got a bit more pace on the outside. So if we can bring the same intensity, same effort and pressure to the game, then I think we'll, um, we should be up for the contest. We should be able to match them and, and potentially beat them. So are there any particular players that you're worried about 
at the Gold Coast? Any particular areas where we could get exposed? Uh, ben King's a big one. I don't know. I like Zerk. Zerk had a good game. Yeah, but um, Zerk's given up six centimeters. Like, it just comes to a top point where like there's just not a lot you can do when someone is just that much bigger than you. Mm, mm. Um, and the King twins are massive. Mm. Well, Zerk's only one ninety five, isn't it? Isn't he? Yeah, and I think Ben's two oh one. Two oh two. Yeah, two oh two. So seven, up centimeters. seven centimeters, and you got to think then. If Ben King has a bigger wingspan, mm. makes it like that difference is even bigger because then, you know, he hasn't got the reach from behind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so he's my big one. Even though he's missed a year, he's like he's still a gun. And yeah, we do love returning, giving returning or emerging forwards big ga- bags, don't we? Yeah, Ben King, twenty fourteen elimination. Uh, ben King. Ben Brown, 2014 elimination final. Mm. Mm. What did you keep that day? Memory. Four goals straight. Mm. Mm. So, look, I think I think defense is going to have to be limiting the supply, to be honest, rather than trying to beat them. Uh, I'm I'm not really worried about the rest of their forwards, to be honest. Um, I think our defensive unit is probably stronger than their attacking unit, but I think Ben King can can get off the off the mark. Yeah. Well, now that Where do our goals born, come from? Um, uh, whoever, I would have to say, it has to come from one of Wiedemann or Jones because of the two, one of them is going to get Sam Collins mm. and he can play. Mm. Mm. Um, like whoever gets him is going to get given a bath. Mm. Um, so it's all about one of the tools, you know, getting one or two goals and then bringing a ball to the ground and just letting our smalls do the work. Mm-hmm. So what was your other big concern? Uh, probably two Camilla through the midfield, I would think. No, do you know what? I'm... We have going? a history of just letting superstar midfielders run rampant against us or nah. just having big games. Nah. Nah, nah, nah. You know why? Jai Caldwell. Yeah. yeah. I reckon he's wasted as a tagger. He's too good to be a tagger. I know, but but it's good to have that ability when you need him to. Yeah, fair enough. Mm, so, I'm... I'm Here we go. We'll, we'll watch Tuke Miller get 50 possession and tell us up. But, um, yeah, no, I agree. We, we do have a history, particularly at Marvel, letting really gun midfielders just tear us apart. So... Look, it's going to be, for me, I'm not really fussed on the result, to be honest. Um, I just want to see the same amount of effort and defensive intensity that we've had. Yep, I agree. Any changes for yours? Nah, leave the team as it is. You don't reckon Guelph comes in? Uh, nah, it'd be pretty stiff to drop any of the smalls. Yeah, um, I agree. And Voss kicked four or five in the resis. Pracky match, it, yeah. Without like having like a stat sheet to look at from that Reds game, I don't really know. All I know is he yeah, had Voss kicked four or five. Um, mm. but yeah. Um, mm. I tend it's... to agree. I think keeping an unchanged lineup is probably the right thing to do and a good thing to do for the football club. Everyone came out uninjured. Um, as long as they all get through training and. Etc. Etc. Um, 
I think it'd be good for the first time in a long time to have an unchanged lineup. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly right. Like, like it was a solid four-quarter performance. Like, really, I don't think anyone in there had a bad game. And without, like, the Magoos playing, it's... Unless someone's, like, you know, had 40, kicked four, you just, Mm. yeah, you leave the team settled. Mm. Stability Mm. builds chemistry. Mm -hmm. Agree. Agree. Well, Nikki. I'm going to go bask in the glory of us sitting on top of the ladder at least until Thursday night when... Uh, who's playing Thursday night? Great question. Uh, Carlton Geelong. Uh, until... Actually, yeah, no, either of those teams can jump above us with a big enough win. Carlton certainly can with their draw on the weekend. So I'm just going to bask in the glory of sitting on top for another few days before that happens. Uh it's been enjoyable to get back in onto the saddle or get back in the saddle for season 2023. Looking forward to another good year. Well, hopefully a more enjoyable year than we had last year and hopefully bringing relatively not terrible content to our seven listeners. Yes. Well, I think tonight was a good start mm. in terms of mm. content. Just two, you know, big Nick energy, two blokes who just understand and know football, who when they go to the footy, actually watch the game and just don't (laughs) have their mouth, just run by a motor. So it's just Just, on autopilot. Just sit and observe and enjoy the performances. Yeah, two students of the game. That's right. That's right. So thanks for joining me, Nikki. And um, I'm sure we'll catch up again next week. So... Look for us on all the socials. Follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, all that sort of stuff. Uh, Keep listening to us where you're listening to us now and on other great podcasting platforms. And until next time, Nikki, go Dons.